the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame, it's more than football. It's making a difference through football. Stay tuned for the Inside Blitz with LeVon Kirkland. Welcome back to another awesome show, the Inside Blitz with LeVon Kirkland. I'm having such a great time in this season, too, and this is... uh, what a wonderful time to be a girl dad. You know, LaVon, both you and I both have daughters. Yes. And uh, I've really enjoyed that girl dad, the hashtag being a girl yeah. dad. I think that's one of the best things that came out of what I've seen of 2020. How about you? You in, in with me on that girl dad? Yeah, you know, I like being a girl dad. But, man, being a girl dad, it kind of comes with a little bit of, you know, some worries and concerns. <laughs> and think? so, yeah, it does. I mean, I have this daughter who's about 5'10". Um, beautiful, beautiful girl, long legs, all that stuff. And so as a former young man, I know what young men are thinking about. <laughs> so guess what I got her for Christmas? Well, what did you... What did you get her for Christmas? You wouldn't believe this, but I got her some pepper spray. Pepper spray? Yeah, indeed pepper spray. You know, I took this course. <laughs> I took this concealed weapons um, for, concealed weapon permit course, and they started talking about safety. And, man, it just made me wonder. My mind started... Um, having images about my daughter, and I just wanted her to be safe. And so they were selling some pepper spray, and I was like, you know what? That'll make a nice Christmas gift for my daughter. Well, Do you get any pepper spray for I yours? I was going to say, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to you, talking about your daughter getting her driver's license and yeah. needing to protect her, I'm thinking about my daughter, Gibson, who just got her driver's license, and I do need some pepper spray. So, yeah, so <laughs> anybody out there who knows Kennedy Kirkland, and you mess with her, she got something called pepper spray. And let me tell you, my cousin and I accidentally sprayed some pepper spray. <laughs> we were idiots. What was that like? <laughs> I'm telling you, you are never as focused as you are when you're trying to get that pepper spray out of your mouth, oh your goodness. nose, and your eyes. Well, I can tell you that that's hilarious. Uh, I can't imagine that... Uh, that ever ends up being a good thing to accidentally get hit with the pepper spray. No, my cousin was an idiot. <laughs> well, I think it's fantastic that uh, maybe we need to get a sponsor for the show, some yes. pepper spray sponsor. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that'd be great. And I, I, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of dads will kind of think twice about it now. I mean, I did. So I imagine some other dads out there that are concerned about their precious daughters may want to get some pepper spray. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm going to be getting some for Gibson here yeah. very soon. So what a great time in the show to uh, talk about girl dad and girl daughters. And we're so glad that you guys have been here. We want to thank uh, all of the audience, the, the NFL coaches and the college coaches, the high school coaches and the little league coaches and all the fans and the wives and the mm-hmm. mothers that have really been, you know, encouraging us, education, empowerment, encouragement. This is a sports and leadership uh, show, and so thank you so much. And now it's time to go get some real inside information with our boy, Mikey Football. We at the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame lost a legendary uh, figure uh, in Coach Sam Weish about a year ago. He was a, a inductee of ours in class of 2013. Of course, everyone knows Coach as a former NFL head coach and assistant. But uh, we'll never forget Coach, but I hope that you would remember him as what he would do as a person. He was a great advocate for us as well as Donate Life. And he'd be the kind of guy who would shovel snow before a college all-star game at his alma mater. He will always be part of our success. 
here at the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame, and we look forward to honoring him as a humanitarian at the April 8th enshrinement ceremony, God willing. We love Sam Weish, and we'll never forget him. Back to you guys. LaVon, I tell you, man, I've always wanted to ask you this mm-hmm. since we've been talking about this. The, the the NFL playoffs, you know, I represented several players through the through the league as an NFL agent and, and had the occasion mm-hmm. to pull for a player that I was representing making that playoff run, namely Nick Eason. Right. Of course, you know our good buddy Nick. But, you know, I was pulling for the team and – you're just so intense making oh, yeah. that run for the playoffs, trying to get the, the brass ring to make it to the Super Bowl, which, of course, you did. But I didn't think about it being from the, the player's perspective. You know, sure. I'm sitting in the stands with the family. And mm-hmm. so the family's, you know, we're all, you know. Intense, yeah. Intense. You can feel the energy. Yeah, you can feel the energy. But, right. but you know, what's that like as a player? Oh, yeah. Well, we we always said that, you know, there is there is the preseason, there's a regular season, and then there's the playoffs. And when you think about the playoffs, you got to think about it being a little bit more heightened than a regular season game. So those games are very intense. I mean, it's faster. I mean, it is ferocious because, you know, it's just one and done. So if you lose, you're going home. If you win, you advance. And sometimes it's for going to the Super Bowl. So you can imagine the nerves at that time. I mean, people are tickety tight. (laughs) (laughs) And it is uh, amazing, though, because... Of like we talked about before, the energy and the intensity of it and the level of it. So yeah, as a player, your preparation even it even steps up a little bit more. You get a little bit more serious, a little bit more focused. So 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 it's more intense. It's yes. exciting. There's probably hitting a little bit harder. What about you? Did you have any traditions or did your family come see you? What were you, what were you doing? Well, when I was with Pittsburgh, especially my brother, all the males in our family would come to that game. Like my my brothers, my nephews. Now my father had to preach on Sunday, so he never went. So, uh-huh. but other than that, all my brothers would come, and so we would, you know, I would take them to the game, and it was kind of like a tradition. And it, and the cool thing about it was, we always won that very first playoff game. But I needed them for the <laughs> next playoff game, which we lost some, but. That first playoff game, when they came to the game, we always won. It was just a, a good boys um, outing, and those guys had a great time. And But I felt the pressure of, like, I can't have my brothers and my brother-in-laws and my nephews here, and we lose the game. So I had a little extra incentive to play well. Wow. So, you know, and I, I did have the privilege of being at a – uh, Pittsburgh playoff game, and you get to go into the little family room right, after the right. game. So, did all those guys get to come down and meet you down there? Or? Yeah, they they all did, and uh, they were. Uh, one of my brother in law was a real big Pittsburgh Steeler fan before I even played there. So hmm. he would have the he had the army hat. I mean, they did a poster for me. <laughs> They were a little outrageous, but uh, we had a good time. Man, though. that is so awesome. I tell you what, that's that's good stuff. There's yeah. some other stuff I want to talk to you about, but uh, we'll talk about that maybe next week. But, okay. you know, hey, we got a, a an awesome interview with this uh, next yes. gentleman. Yes, I, I think this interview is going to move everybody. Matter of fact, I know it's going to move everybody because his spirit and his um, – his uh, his soul is so inspirational. Yeah, well, I tell you, to have a, a story like this and a, and a mantra that it is well with my soul. Yeah. It's a, it's 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 just amazing. You just got to check it out. You do have to check it out. Yes. This week's podcast is brought to you by Spinks.
We're going to go to the Curry PA guest line where we have former Clemson DB from 1999 to 2002, Brian Mance. Brian, how you doing, my friend? I'm pretty good. How about you? Man, I am doing awesome. I'm going to tell you, I've been trying to get you uh, for a long time to do a story, to be on our podcast. It is an honor to have you here, my friend. It's an honor to be here. Oh, man. You know what? Before we get into it, I got to say, now, my father was a former pastor, and what you have behind you, all is well with my soul, in the hymnal book, um, uh, page 202, <laughs> we used to have that song, It is well with my soul. Have you ever heard that song before? Oh man, all the time. Yeah, all the time. It's uh, it's something we live by here in my in, in my home. Right. Uh, my wife saw this and she jumped on it and saw it as soon as she saw it. Man, um, that's just kind of how we live our lives over here on this end. Tell us a little bit about your football story and background, and tell us you know leading up to when you found out about your disease. Okay, well, um, as you guys mentioned, um, just. Playing Clemson from 99 to uh, 2002. Um, ended up becoming an All-American in my, my senior year, all-conference, all that all that good stuff. Um, signed a free agent contract with Washington Redskins. Uh, went over to Chicago Bears, played a little NFL year, played a little arena football. After doing all of that, I, I came home. I graduated with a degree in elementary education. Okay. So after doing that, I came home and I decided I was going to teach for a little while. Mm-hmm. And once I signed up to be a teacher, um, coaching came into the picture. So I said, why not? I'll give it a try. Well, I enjoyed coaching. Now, the teaching part, uh, that was a little different. What, what didn't you because, like about the teaching part? Um, just being a teacher, I was elementary education, Ooh. so I taught fifth grade. Right. So... Being Coach Mance, you get all of the kids all the other teachers don't want. Right. And I enjoyed it, but I found myself after a while, after a year or so, I found myself, I was fussing at school, I was fussing at practice, right. and I'll go home and I'll be fussing at my dog for now. <laughs> <laughs> I was just fussing all the time. And I enjoyed coaching, but um, I was looking for a way to be able to coach and just not have to deal with lesson plans and grading papers and parent emails and, you know, all the things that come along with uh, coaching uh, in high school. Mm-hmm. So um, it was one day, it was a coach's clinic that Clemson was having, and I decided to go up, say, man, you know what, I'm going to learn a little bit more ball. I don't know it all. I can play it, but I really need to learn how to coach it. Mm-hmm. So I got there and um, just went in the bathroom before – the clinic actually started. I'm walking in the bathroom, and Coach Wing is in the bathroom. Hmm. And I knew who he was. I had no idea that he actually knew who I was. And he was like, hey, Brian Mans, how you doing? I'm like, hey, man, I'm good. How are you? Wow. He was, I'm pretty good. He was like, do you have a minute? Come down to my office and talk ball? I was like, sure. Hmm. Went down. We talked a little ball, man. Within probably 10 or 15 minutes, he offered me a position, um, on the staff, and that's how I got my foot in the door wow. with um, 
college football. Mm-hmm. So it was right on time. I could just focus on ball. Right. Didn't have to worry about lesson plans and all the other stuff. And that's how I really got started. Yeah. Can you walk us through uh, being hired at Walford and your uh, time there? Well, um, before Walford, I was actually at um, North Greenville University. Okay. And we played Walford um, my first season there. And uh, my guys did pretty good. I was a secondary coach at North Greenville. Guys did pretty good. And I would always go around and talk to other coaches, you know, um, talk about different techniques and different things, you know, just wanting to be able to learn. So I uh, had an opportunity to sit down with the coaches at Wofford um, before we actually played them the season before. Mm-hmm. And we just had a good time talking ball. And I didn't think anything of it. I got in my car and I went back home. Well, maybe a year or two later, they had a position to open up and they gave me a call and asked me if I would be interested in uh, interviewing for the job. And I jumped on it, man. I went over and just kind of talked ball. And uh, maybe a day or two after that, Coach Ayers gave me a call and offered me the position. And that's when I stepped into the role as a corners coach there. Now, you're talking about talking about ball a lot. What do you like about talking football? Just talking football, man, everybody has a different view. Right. You know, uh, everybody sees things differently. And you can't be a know-it-all in this game, man. I remember a coach telling me, I think it was Reggie Heron at the time, mm-hmm. he told me, you may be a starter, but a guy on the sideline that never plays can give you information and see things that you don't see. Mm-hmm. And just because you're a player, he's not, doesn't mean you can't listen to him. And I took that approach, man, with um, being a coach, man, because everybody does things differently. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Mm-hmm. And just sitting down and, uh, you know, tossing ideas back and forth between each other, man, you actually learn a whole lot. Right, right. So we're going to go a little deeper here, you know. I want you to walk us through how you found out about your disease and and really what is it and kind of explain it to our audience what's going on with you. Okay, it's, it's neurosarcoidosis and it's a uh, rare autoimmune disease. It comes from sarcoidosis, mm-hmm. which is formed in the lungs and um, it can affect three areas of your body. That's your heart, your lungs, or your central nervous system. But right. there's a 2% chance that people with sarcoidosis end up uh, with neurosarcoidosis. And I fell in that 2% chance. Wow. But leading up to that, um, everything was normal. Um, I found myself, I started losing weight. Mm-hmm. You know, I was one of those guys, you know how we are as athletes, man. You step on the scale almost every day. You want to see where you are. No, not me. Was, not <laughs> me. No, 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 no. <laughs> no go ahead. Well, I was one of those guys just because uh, just wanted to kind of keep up with it. And, right. You know, I was a guy that I had my smoothies in the morning. My I didn't do a whole lot of carbs at lunch. You know, I was a guy working out at lunch. You know, I was uh, trying to stay in shape. And I just found myself losing weight, so um, went to the doctor. Didn't really get much. Got a lot of blood work done. At the time, they thought it might have been an inflamed uh, thyroid. Right. 
Um, so they, they did a biopsy, they checked all that stuff and they checked out fine. And, you know, it was different symptoms here and there and they would pop up and then they would disappear. It's the 4th of July. Mm. It's, um, time off with my family right before the season starts. So my wife and I, we would always go down the Isle of Palms. Well, this particular time, we just had a son. He might've been a year and a half. Mm -hmm. So we went down to Manning. She's from Manning as well. So we hung out with my mom and her parents and just enjoyed time down there with family. On the way back, um, I started to feel like I had a headache. And it was not really in, you know, normal spot. It felt like it was kind of back where your brain stem is. Right. And I kept I'm just driving on 26 and I kept saying, I really got a bad headache. She's like, do you want me to drive? And, you know, being a man, no, mm-hmm. no, I got it. I got it, baby. Yeah. I got it. So, you know, just kind of <laughs> on the road. And by the time we maybe about 30 minutes away from uh, Spartanburg, I pulled over and I said, man, you can finish driving. I'm going to get in the back with our son and see if I can't get rid of his headache. So we got home, unpacked the car. I did all those things, uh, made sure he was squared away. She got him ready for bed or whatever. And I'm in the guest room watching TV. I said, I'm going to go in here while you get him ready for bed, see if I can't relax and get rid of his headache. Took a Tylenol like we all do. Right. Uh, really didn't get any relief from that. So she comes out, and I said, you know what? Um, I said, you know what? Maybe I should lay on the floor. I'm just trying to find a way to get comfortable. Mm -hmm. So she comes out the room, and she's like, why are you on the floor? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just trying to get comfortable. And I looked at her, and I said, you know what? Let me get off this floor while I feel like I can still walk. Mm -hmm. And I was just kind of talking, not really thinking anything of it. So she said, do you need to go to the hospital? I said, I think so. I uh, just don't feel right. So we got in the car. Well, we actually called a um, former former player at Clemson, uh, DeMar McKenzie, called him. Right. And his wife came over to stay with my son until uh, we came back from the emergency room. Well, we on our way to the emergency room, and it's 4th of July. Fireworks are going off. Mm-hmm. We're... Mm-hmm. Uh, the roads are blocked, so we don't quite know how to get to the hospital. Now, this time, I'm feeling like I'm uh, my body's on fire. I'm feeling like I'm having a heart attack. Like, I don't know if it was a panic attack or what, but I'm just not feeling good at all. Hmm. By the time we get to the uh, hospital, I can't get out of the car. Hmm. My upper body and everything was still fine. I could use my hands and arms. My legs, I just could not get out of the car. And when we got there, she was like, okay, you good? And I was like, you got to go get somebody. I can't get out of the car. And she's like, what? I'm like, I can't move. And so they got me inside and ran a couple tests. They had no idea what was going on. They um, pretty much had a video conference with um, some doctors in um, Cincinnati. Hmm. It was. And it took about a week and a half almost two weeks before I was diagnosed with neurosarcoidosis. Several tests and several weeks later, and um, that's when the diagnosis came. Wow. And at that time, man, I was, I went from fully functional Mm -hmm. 
to completely paralyze within like a matter of hours. Mm, and I was unable to move my head from side to side. I could only really blink at the time and drink water from a straw. I had no movement whatsoever with anything in my body. And um, that's how it started. Can you give us your initial thoughts when you when you realized what was going on? Well, you know, they, they had me on all kind of meds mm-hmm. for that week and a half, that two weeks when they were running all these tests and spinal taps and just doing all kind of things to kind of see what was going on. They had me on all kind of meds to kind of keep me comfortable. So it was kind of like I was um, almost in an, in an induced coma. Hmm. Like I had no idea what was going on. My mom and my wife and family members, they were all around, but I had no idea. So maybe about uh, two weeks in, I start to come to, and I wake up and my mom's on my right and my uh, wife is on my left, and they're kind of just standing beside the bed. And when I open my eyes, you know, they're, they're excited. And they say, how you feel? How you feeling? I'm like, I'm good. I'm okay, you know, just being that guy, man, I'm good. Yeah. And I realized, I said, I'm okay, but I feel like I can't move. And my mom was like, um, Brian, you're paralyzed. And I was like, paralyzed? What you mean, paralyzed? She was like, you're paralyzed. And I was like, how? Like, I just couldn't understand how I went from just doing everything, like I said, being fully functional right. to being completely paralyzed. And after grasping that concept, mm-hmm. um, that's when the fight began. Right. Just being, a, you know, being an athlete and uh, just not wanting to give in, man. It was just, I had a decision to make. Are you going to lie in this bed and, and quit or are you going to fight? And I answered that question immediately, man, and that's when the fight started. Wow. I mean, you're a true inspiration. You really are. Now, the disease is in, in a little bit of a remission. Is, am it I is. correct? Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? What's going on? Okay, well, um, when everything first happened, I ended up having a lesion on my brain mm-hmm. that was about the size of a quarter. Um, I had spots on my spine, a lot of inflammation, um, the sarcoid in my lungs uh, that was inflamed. And I was told at the time that, you know, none of that is going to go anywhere. Um, all we can do is try to, you know, keep it from being inflamed and flaring up. So we'll keep you on meds and um, we'll keep you on steroids and just try to keep it under control. Mm-hmm. Well, as some time went on, I started to get a little more back. I started to get more movement. Uh, very, not a whole lot. Like I spent time in a rehab, inpatient rehab at the Shepherd Center in Atlanta, Georgia for 60 days Mm. and another 30 days in Charlotte at another inpatient uh, rehab. And it was hard because I was at that time, I was still trying to swim. Mm -hmm. Like I was just trying to stay above water. My life had just changed. I'm trying to deal with this and I'm getting five or six hours of therapy a day, but I'm seeing little to no improvement at all. So it was a mental thing as well. But as time went on, I started to get a little bit back here and there. And um, 
I will work on things on my own. And as I um, continued going to my neurologist, I got there one day and she said, you know what? That lesion on your brain is gone. Wow. Like, um, there's a little scar tissue, but the actual lesion is gone. Mm. And then I would have an MRI every six months on my spine and my lungs and my brain and all that stuff. And then it came to a point where there's nothing on your spine. Mm. Everything in your spine is gone. Well, my um, lung doctor said the sarcoid was not going anywhere. Um, We're just going to try to keep it under control. Well, I saw him and it was funny that that visit, he just kind of ran out of the room and he came back with two or three other doctors. And he was like, man, I just, I want y'all to meet this guy. <laughs> like right. when I saw him, he couldn't move. He couldn't do anything. And the sarcoid in his lungs is starting to break up. And then all the doctors, their, their face kind of lit up. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, look at it. And he showed him the uh, MRI images. And from that point on, maybe about six months later, um, I was in remission. Wow. That's wonderful news, Brian. That really is. Now, here at the South Carolina Football <laughs> Fame, we really believe that it's more than football. It's making a difference through football. Can you tell us something that you might have learned through football that's helping you and giving you strength? Oh, man. Um that's funny you say that. My wife says I relate everything to football. Yes. But, um, that's kind of how it is, man. Um, it's kind of like a turnover. You know, um, you're just on the field, ball turns, it's a turnover, you jump up, and you go on the field, and you go get the job done. It's kind of like being a firefighter. You, when there's a fire, you don't want the firefighter jumping off the truck saying, I wonder how that fire got started. You want them to jump off the truck run in there and get the fire under control and figure all that out later. And that's kind of the mentality I took with this whole thing. I'm not going to wonder how it started and where and why me and all of these different things, man. I just kind of jumped on, all right, let's work towards getting better. Right. Wow. You're giving me chill bumps as we as you tell your story. And we're, we're always thinking about the future and we're always thinking about student athletes, students, especially in the state of South Carolina. If you were in a room full of students, especially student athletes, what would, what advice would you give to them? I would tell them to seize the moment. Mm. Uh, seize the moment. Take advantage of all of your opportunities. Um, you know, when you get a little older, it's easy to look back. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. It's easy to look back and, you know, do the whole woulda, shoulda, coulda type of deal. But um, being able to pass that on to uh, these young kids, man, is is paramount. Like, they really need to know that it's not going to always be like it is now. Mm. Uh, You may be getting a lot of pats on the back now. You may be a superstar athlete right now. But like I used to tell my players, the air will come out of that football it's going to deflate, and you got to have something to do after the air leaves the football. So just kind of um, pushing them to seize the moment, take advantage of every opportunity that you have, whether it's uh, academically, whether it's a kid in the band, some athlete on you know in their arena, just whatever it is, make sure you take advantage and um, 
take advantage of those opportunities because they're not going to always be there. Right. Well, I, I tell you what, Brian, you have definitely educated us, empowered us, and encouraged us with your journey and what you're going through. Tell our listeners, uh, the people viewing this, what, what's next for Coach Mance? What are you hoping to get to? Well, right now I'm uh, currently getting stronger every day, starting to get a little more back each and every day, able to do more than I could do um, when everything first happened. So I'm there. I'm, I'm good with that, but I'm not settling. Um, able to strengthen the muscles in my legs and move my legs a little bit, wow. move my arms a little bit. I, I have bands that I have on in my uh, wheelchair that I have on the side of my bed. So if I'm watching TV, um, like if I'm watching the game, mm-hmm. TV timeout, all right, it's time to get some work in. It's time to start pulling on these bands and, and pushing. And, you know, just while I'm sitting there, can easily be getting some work in. And I have in-home therapy that comes in, and they help me do some things. But I'm looking to get into an inpatient rehab and um, spend a little bit of time like I did before when everything first happened, like I said, I was just trying to swim at the time. Hmm. So I was getting therapy, but right now I can really take advantage of it. And I think it'll um, be like night and day for me now. I mean, I mean, neurosarcoidosis has the right one. I'm ready. I'm ready for this fight. So hmm. I don't care how long it's going to be. I will get back on my feet. Wow, Brian. It is well with your soul, my friend. Thank you yeah. so much for coming on our show. Uh, this was incredible. It really was. And we would definitely keep up with you. Keep us, keep you in your prayers, man. Thank you again for just letting us into your world. Thanks for having me. All right. Appreciate it. Hi, this is South Carolina football hall of fame class of 2020 inductee and gang cop Willie Scott. And you're listening to the inside blitz with LeVon Kirkland. Bridge builder quick hits brought to you by Wyatt law. LaVon Kirkland, my man, you know, you ever get to a situation here, we're in this quick hits segment about leadership. And Mm -hmm. I want to know, have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you were supposed to be there? You had all the skills to do what you were being asked to do, but you didn't know you were stuck and didn't know what to do. You ever been in that situation? Oh, yeah, I've been in that situation before. It actually started when I was at Clemson. I remember my first year actually playing my redshirt freshman year. I had a really good season for a freshman, but guess what? I did not know what I was doing. I kept I kept messing up plays. I was supposed to drop, and I ended up rushing. I was supposed to rush, and I ended up dropping. And I just really didn't know the game as far as the X's and O's as much as I should. So that's a great example. So, yeah. you're, but you feel you feel like you're stuck when you're there. Yeah, you feel really stuck. And at that point, this is when you need to ask. For him. So what did you do? Well, I went to one of our grad assistants who I thought we had a good rapport, and I knew I could come up to him and say, hey, listen, Gene Chizik, and I know a lot of you Gene may know Chizik. Gene Chizik, won the um, national championship with Auburn, and he was a young guy, and I said, Gene, man, I want to be a great player, but I really need some helps, help with um, with the plays. Could you possibly help me? What did he say? He said, LaVon. I am so glad you asked me. I really believe that you can be a great player, and I'm going to show you how to conquer this scheme. I'm going to show you what other players do so you can know what you're doing better. And you know what happened, David? What happened? The next year, man, 1989, 
I barely made any mistakes. I won the MVP with the Gator Bowl, had a great, tremendous year. And I have to say the reason why that happened is because I asked for help. Asking for help. So the leadership tip, and that's a great one. Yeah. I mean, Gene Chizik, you asked him for help, and he was more than happy. He glad you asked. But you know what? When you ask for that help, what does that require you to do? Man, it really requires you to kind of humble yourself. You have to you have to self-examine yourself and understand that, you know, I'm there. I got the potential, but maybe I just need someone to can, who can help me along the way. Wow. Great information. Thank you. That's our quick hit for today. Everyone wants to be a part of something bigger. But not everyone will. Everyone has goals. But not everyone knows where to start. We are not everyone. Are not everyone. Are not everyone. Are not everyone. We'll see you next time on the Inside Blitz with LeVon Kirkland.